Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is a very special one. It is our GSU ENI Radio edition, and uh, it's going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have JT Trujillo, and he is with Handsome. Welcome, JT. Hey, Lee. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about your uh, company. How are you serving folks? Yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely go into that. So Handsome is an alternative lending solution for payday lending. Um, the three uh, components behind Handsome are that it offers fixed rate fees rather than high interest rates. Um, it allows customers to earn discounts on uh, those fees, like, you know, depending on what their journey is throughout the uh, loan. And then as well as the funding takes place almost immediate, leveraging some of that A to A, the account to account technology, kind of like when you sell someone, you get the funds almost immediately. So, um, yeah, Handsome is on a mission to provide more affordable lending solutions to the underrepresented minorities. Can you explain for the listener who isn't familiar about kind of this payday lending? How does it work? Who do they target? And why it can be, on one hand, it's helpful, but it can be detrimental in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. So payday lending actually leads a lot of families into a vicious debt cycle. So I like to say, um, and there's statistics backing this, that there's like a dual credit market. Um, so typically, um, individuals that have good credit earn anywhere over $60,000 a year, they can go into a regular financial institution like a bank or a credit union, ask for a personal loan, or maybe like a credit card and have pretty reasonable rates. Um, now, coming to payday lending, uh, what really inspired me was this statistic that kind of scared me is that there is in only 37 states allow payday lending. And there are more payday lending storefronts than there are McDonald's in the entire U.S. And so uh, payday lending actually targets uh, the underbanked community. And basically, you just go in there um, and to apply for a loan anywhere between, um, typically, it's between $100 and $400. And they just take your pay stub and they give you, you know, sometimes up to 50% or more of what your actual uh, earnings are for that pay cycle. And so what happens is that a lot of individuals are just going in there to either bridge the gap, kind of like my parents were. Um, and what happens is that it catches them in a debt trap because when their next paycheck comes in, they have other expenses to pay and it makes it really difficult to pay that uh, payday loan that they have outstanding. And then it just becomes a constant you know, cycle of just paying that. Most payday loans are actually um, rebarred about nine times. Um, so that's where uh, that industry is, and it's a pretty big one. Now, um, what are the choices for people um, if they don't go payday uh, lending? What, where can they go, or is there nothing else? Is that the the best move they can make? 
Yeah, the only other options that they have are, you know, borrowing from friends and family, which can bring a little bit of shame. Um, there are some fintechs that are out there that are coming up with some sort of anonymous um, ways of requesting funds from, you know, friends and family. But, you know, they don't they're not really they're left in the dark. They're left behind by some of these financial institutions. Um, so they don't really have a lot of options other than that. So payday lending, although it is a vicious cycle and it does trap people in uh, a vicious cycle of debt, it is a necessary tool. There's just a lot of improvement in, in, in ways that it can be done better. Now, if you were to look at it through the lens of the payday lender, how do you think they're kind of justifying the high rates? Like, what's their rationale for um, their high rates? Yeah, good question. So from a business perspective, uh, there is a little, um, they're taking on a lot of risk. So a lot of these individuals either have a very uh, short credit history, or if not, you know, they have pretty bad credit. That's why they don't actually pull credit to verify these loans. It's more based off of income. Um, so some of these interest rates uh, can go up to 396%, and that's an APR. So, uh, it's, it's pretty scary how high, uh, these interest rates can go as well as the hidden fees that are associated with payday loans. So maybe you might take out a loan for a hundred dollars. And, you know, if you roll that over, uh, or request an extension, there's a fee for that. And then on a hundred dollar loan, you can end up paying back like $250 for just that hundred dollars. Um, so I do think that the businesses look at it from a high risk, um, perspective, but you know, there's still so many other components and ways that you can make that better and more affordable for people who are already having a tough time affording life. Now you mentioned a, a personal kind of maybe impetus that got you into this space. Can you share a little bit about that and what your solution is to help kind of uh, alleviate some of the pain? Yes, absolutely. So uh, I used to actually be a customer of payday lending early on Um in my adulthood, I wasn't making a lot of money. I didn't have the um, the tools and the education to know how to make and, and understand money and how to manage it. And so I did go to a few payday lenders and I experienced that vicious debt cycle myself. And so it was just difficult. It was like playing catch up every time. Uh, but even before that, I'm a first generation Colombian American um, and my parents immigrated to this country. And we lived in, uh, you know, low income neighborhood and community. And I saw that despite that fact, a lot of individuals worked really hard. They, earned, they, they worked odd jobs. They worked multiple jobs and they would pay their bills on time. And sometimes they just needed a little bit, you know, more to get them over the hump till they received another, you know, paycheck. And they would turn to these, you know, payday lending storefronts and it would just be a trap. And sometimes it was just money to put food on the table, to keep the lights on, you know, to pay for tuition. So it made it really, really difficult. And then um, fast forward to being at GSU in my entrepreneurship class, I've, I just heard this scary statistic that, you know, over 67% of the adult population in the U.S. can't afford a $400 emergency. So that quickly, you know, just inspired me and made me so enthusiastic to find a solution to this that would not only help, you know, individuals such as myself and my family, but, you know, so many other Americans that need, you know, an affordable alternative solution to payday lending. Um, so that's where Handsome came about. So how does it work? 
So handsome. So the way that it, uh, the handsome works is that, you know, you apply for a loan anywhere between a hundred dollars and four hundred dollars. Um, now what I'm working on right now is trying to structure, um, an algorithm that would help alleviate some of that underwriting. Um, so there's some financial components that in, you know, an applicant would have to submit, uh, we would look at some of the financials. So we won't pull credit because it's historically known that, you know, some of these individuals will, qualify for certain loans. And rather than dinging their credit, we're trying to pull from other sources to underwrite them and get them a loan and approved. And then after the approval, um, after they've been, uh, their financials have been reviewed, if they can't receive or qualify for the entire loan, then there will be a counteroffer made uh, rather than just a straight denial of the loan altogether. And then um, after approval, once they sign in and basically finalize the documents, the funding can actually take place almost immediately, which is needed and always overlooked because some of these individuals are in a pinch in the middle of the night or they get off on a late shift, their car got towed. Um, sometimes, you know, their cars break down in the middle of the night and they just don't have anything else to get them through, you know, the next, uh, pay period. So who is your underwriter or funder? Um, so that I don't have one yet. So I'm doing everything manually right now. And, uh, that's what main street, that's where main street came in. And, uh, you know, I've been guided and mentored a lot as to what are other solutions. Um, so right now I'm doing a lot of this work manually. Um, so I don't have any partnerships just yet. Uh, hopefully that's what I achieve to do. Um, that's what I'm hoping to achieve when demo day comes around in October. So, um, do you have targets? Like who would be an ideal partner for you? Or is this something that can be done maybe peer to peer and do some sort of, you know, crowdsourcing for the, the people that are lending? Um, yeah. So I actually thought about the idea originally as a peer to peer lending, but then there's a lot of, um, regulations that comes around the peer to peer because then you have both sides. You have to appease both sides, not only just the borrowers, but also the lenders. And it just makes it a little bit more complicated. So I am hoping to target, um, a partner that I can actually receive some of the funding from. Um, and maybe process the loans through that way on a short-term loan basis, almost like um, Squarespace does with some of its, uh, like some of its vendors and stores where, you know, they might have a short-term loan of three days to pay back, you know, X amount of, um, like X amount of revenue. So all the, all the streams of revenue that they're getting through three days, they'll, they'll get a loan and then they pay it off. Um, so that's, that's what I aim to achieve. So how did uh, Main Street get on your radar? How did you get involved with that program? Uh, I was actually a student at the time at Georgia State University, and I was taking an entrepreneurship class. And my professor, Arthur Stepanian, at the time, he made me aware that there was a school, uh, not only just an incubator, but then there's an accelerator. So there's Launch GSU, and then there was Main Street. And he, after I submitted my project and my idea, he thought it was really mature for uh, the you know, for just a simple school project. And he, he really taught me that maybe I should use this little light. I might've caught lightning in a bottle and, you know, he thinks I should definitely develop the idea. So I took him on and I, I took, I, I took his word for it and uh, I applied to main street. I wasn't sure what the outcome was going to be because I was still a student. I was applying to business school and 
I'm a father of three, so it was a lot to juggle. Uh, but then, you know, after the interview process and the, in the first couple of rounds, I was, I was admitted. So, um, yeah, that's how Main Street came on my radar. So, um, prior to that, were you thinking your career path was, oh, I'm going to get a, get a job at a, you know, an enterprise level organization and just follow a traditional kind of career path? And now you're into this world of entrepreneurship? Yes, exactly. Um, I thought I graduate from Georgia State, go back to work. Um, and, uh, basically, you know, uh, a nice cushy remote job or, you know, something of that sort. And, uh, but then I, once I got every day I work at this, um, at Handsome and chip, chip away at it and understand, especially with, uh, the pandemic as well as inflation and everything that's going on in society right now, um, in the current, in, in, uh, in the news, it's like, you know, more than ever, uh, so many individuals are in need of a product like this, you know, just to get by. So has it been how you imagined? Is it harder, easier? What what have been some of the challenges? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. It, I can definitely say it's been a lot harder, but Main Street has definitely helped in um, providing a lot of mentorship, a lot of guidance and direction. Um, if there's any support that we need or any question, the entrepreneur and residents as well, some of the other mentors that are part of the program, it's very easy to reach out to them and, and kind of say, Hey, I'm lost or reach out to your own cohort. We're very close and we have like a Slack channel, you know, for all of us. So yeah, it's, it's been hard. And I thought I was the only one struggling, but it's nice to hear from, you know, the other founders that they've run into a lot of hurdles and obstacles and, you're very ambitious as an entrepreneur and you think you're going to achieve a goal in like a week and it really takes a month. And so that's one thing that I'm starting to realize, you know, there's always, you know, you have to plan for one step. It's, it's going to take multiple steps to get there. Now, do you have any advice for other startup founders? Um, never stop working. That's always my key piece of advice. Uh, because when you stop working and you put your startup down for a second, that's when doubt starts to creep in and you have all those other voices and there's just so much noise that comes in. Um, even if it's just an hour a day or 30 minutes a day, just getting ahead on something, I would definitely just say never stop working. Now, what do you need more of? How can we help? Um, I guess the, I, I mean, what do I need more of? I mean, more than anything, uh, capital for sure. Um, a nice software developer or CTO would help too. Uh, but no, um, just a platform, a voice, you know, I think that just the awareness that there's actual, there's a big need, uh, that needs to be filled and, um, just using this platform to kind of just spread the awareness on payday lending and how many Americans actually need help just to get by and put food on the table. Um, that would, that's just, that's helpful enough. And when you were saying that it's not that they need loans for a million dollars, they need loans for a few hundred dollars. So, I mean, this it seems to me like this is a dream that could come true if you, you know, have the right players involved. Yes. Yes. Um, my goal is not behind this idea. Um, I mean, I am a for-profit business. This is not a non-for-profit organization, but I do want to provide, um, you know, underrepresented minorities, uh, with the option, uh, you know, seeking just, they, they don't have to go and, and 
put themselves in a vicious cycle of debt and, and, and really, really disrupt their family's livelihoods just because, you know, they need a few hundred bucks. This is going to be easy. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I definitely look to achieve and, and bring a solution to the market that would help all these families in need. Now, how many, do you have any idea of the number of people that are underbanked? Um, there's about 12 million Americans that are underbanked. Um, and then there's even more that are just unbanked altogether. But uh, yeah, 12 million Americans in the United States just have a simple checking account with a debit card. And there's so many other alternative, um, there's so many other products and solutions to their financial needs that can be offered to them. Uh, but sometimes I feel like they are just left behind. Um, and just written off just because they might not make more than $60,000 a year. Uh, but as we know, with inflation, you know, now 60000 is a lot different than it was just a year ago or two years ago. Right. And if there's a, more of these um, payday lenders in more locations than McDonald's, there must be a lot of demand for the service because they're not opening up storefronts. <laughs> Yes, for their- I mean, payday lending is a forty-six billion dollar a year business, you know. So they are they're definitely around, and and you know they're they're making a lot of money. Um, and the sad part about it is that only about fourteen percent of individuals who take out these payday loans can actually afford to repay it. Um, so you know, it just goes to show that those hidden fees and those high interest rates. Um, also, the um, individuals just don't know what they're getting themselves into with payday lending. I know my family didn't, you know, speaking a different language, they thought it was just a quick loan. They didn't understand that, you know, when you borrow $100 in two weeks, it's uh, over $150. They didn't understand that component. Well, if somebody wants to learn more about handsome um get on your radar maybe have a conversation with you more um, learn more what is the website what is the best way to connect with you um so i am still in the process of launching the website but you can go to you know you can visit handsome.io if not you can reach out to me on linkedin um you know at jt Trujillo. um you'll you'll definitely find me under there uh but yeah those are the ways to connect Well, JT, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me, Lee. I really appreciate it. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We will see you all all next time on GSU ENI Radio.